journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov, Shavua Tov. Sometimes you've got to love technology. We've had a few technical hitches, but I hope you can hear me. I'm glad to be back. I'm Rebetzin Adel Kozilski. It is Monday and it's time to traverse the Bible as we always do on Mondays. We are coming to a very, very interesting uh, part of the Chumash and it seems to be like a break from the narrative that we have been learning. For those who have just tuned in, we are in chapter 38 now. We're going to start chapter 38 of Genesis. We're in Parashat Vayeshev. And we have spent a tremendous amount of time talking about the sale of Yosef, the sale of Joseph by his brothers, because it seemed that they could not uh, control their jealousy. Well, for an inexplicable reason as we start, but of course everything will be explained by the time hopefully we take leave of each other. The narrative changes direction now. We know that Yosef has been taken down into Egypt and he has been sold to Potiphar, who is the chief butcher in the household of Pharaoh. We know that Yaakov is sitting at home inconsolable, mourning his son, though at the back of his mind there are all these hints and um, uncomfortable thoughts that Yosef is probably alive. We know that the brothers are all feeling very forlorn in what it is they've done, but they don't know how to um, undo it. And now we are going to have the spotlight moved to one particular brother, who interestingly is a brother that really is, res, uh, you know, responsible for um, this whole thing because he does suggest the sale, and that is Yehuda. We know that Yehuda suggested that they sell Yosef, which they in fact do, and um, now he's also sitting with the guilt of did he do the right thing or not. And we are going to be picking up from there. But before we do, is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Well, Diskim Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries, whatever you need, Diskim Delivered has you covered. Download the easy-to-use Diskim app and shop over 7,000 products at in-store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. Now you can relax with Diskim Delivered. Um, as they deliver your essentials to you. It's that simple. Diskim deliver it from Diskim to you. That's Diskim Pharmacies, pharmacists who care. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And let's open up our Bibles now. Chapter 38, verse 1. We are closing in on Yehuda. Vayehi, and it was. Be'etahi, and it was during that time, like the time after now, we seem to have settled with the idea that Yosef has been sold. Vayered Yehuda me'etach echav. Yehuda goes down, leaves his brothers. Vayet ad ish adulami u'shmochira. He camps around, he moves around until he comes and he befriends a man, an Adulamite, by the name of Chira. Now, why does Yehuda leave his brothers? Well, the first 
is um, first reason given is that the brothers brought him down from his position of leadership. When they were seeing their father grieving, they argued, you know, you told us to sell Yosef. If you had told us to return him, we would have listened to you. It's all your fault. Another uh, opinion, however, says it wasn't them that, that made him feel bad, but in fact himself. The brothers were very, very impressed with Yehuda's wisdom. According to the second opinion, they made him their leader, and um, he started performing uh, leadership duties. And we must know that the, the, the um, Yehuda actually is the brother that becomes the leader of the Jewish people in that King David joins them. So they were very, very impressed, the brothers, but Yehuda himself felt a terrible amount of grief um, when he saw what, how, what he had done to his fathers. So he left his brothers and he went to live somewhere else where he could be alone and where he was not going to see in any people. And he was hoping there he would be able to meditate and devise a plan to rectify rectify things. So he wanders away and he bumps into an Adolamite by the name of Hera. He actually makes good friends with him and he takes his flocks with him and he starts to settle down. Vayarsham Yehuda Bat Ish Kanani. He there sees a daughter of a Canaanite, Ushmo Shua, his name was Shua, the Canaanite. He marries this girl and he, um, he, 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 uh, he becomes intimate with her. Now, the first thing we need to understand is that we do not know the name of the woman, but she is the daughter of a man who associates with Canaanim. We must know that a Canaanite was not allowed um, to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and surely, by extension, to their grandson, now Yehuda. But he was a man that associated, he was called a Canaanite, because a Canaanite also denoted a trader. Um, Shua was a leading citizen there, um, and uh, Yehuda wanted to marry his daughter, which he did. Vatahar Vateled Ben, she falls pregnant and she gives birth to a son, Vayikra Echemo Er. So Yehuda has a son and he calls him Er, E-R. Vatahar Od Vataled Ben, and then a little while later she falls pregnant again and she gives birth to another son, Vatikra Echemo Onan. She calls the son Onan, that's the second one. And then she falls pregnant yet again, and she gives birth to a son, and she calls him Shayla. Yehuda was in a place called Kaziv when she gave birth to him. Generally, the father has choice of first, uh, first naming, then there is the second naming that is given by the mother, the third child should have been named by the father, but because Yehuda was not around, um, his wife gave him the name Shayla. So what we see over here is that um, there is also a hint that him being in the city of Kaziv, Kaziv means from 
the Shoresh Kazav to stop having children. And in fact, that's what happens. His wife stops having children. And Yehuda now has three sons, Er, Onan, and Shelah. And it seems like Yehuda is beating his own drum. He's staying away from his brothers. Um, he is doing business with uh, the Adulamite man. Um, in, uh, in uh, you'll see in Hira. Okay, his name is Hira, and it seems that everything is fine. And of course, the boys grow up, and it's time now for his sons to find a wife. He finds a girl by the name of Tamar, and he gives Tamar to his oldest son, Er, as a wife. Um, Tamar, we are told, according to some opinions, is Shame's daughter. Others say that he, she wasn't literally Shame's daughter, but one of his descendants. Vayihi, and it was, we're looking in verse 7, Vayihi, Er, Bechor, Yehuda, Rab, Enei, Hashem, Er, the um, firstborn of Yehuda, does evil in the eyes of Hashem, Vayimatehu Hashem, and God makes him die. Well, what happened to him that he did evil? What evil did he perform? And our rabbis come to tell us that Tamar was an exquisitely beautiful woman, and he did not want Tamar's beauty to be messed up uh, by pregnancy. And so as a means of birth control, Yehuda allowed himself to spill his semen in vain. So that was the way, obviously, in those days that they practiced birth control. They never completed um, the sexual act in its correct manner. And he did not, he did not allow Tamar to fall pregnant. Now, this opens up an entire big discussion round about um, spilling semen in vain. And I'm going to touch on it ever so slightly. I am not a halachic authority. And certainly everything that you hear is just for the basis of education. And should you have any specific uh, comments or questions, it's best to speak to an orthodox rabbi. But as a general rule, it is forbidden according to Jewish law for men to masturbate and to spill semen in vain. And it is considered a very, very bad uh, sin. Um, and the reason why is because you are taking the potential of life and you are wasting it. Now, when it comes to this discussion, this, uh, this topic, we know that Torah, Torah values the value of life beyond everything. In fact, everything um, is, is, uh, falls to the feet of saving a life. We know we have the concept of pikuach nefesh, of saving another life, and we are allowed to break Shabbat. We are allowed to do anything, almost anything, um, in order to save a, another's life. The basis of the importance of Jewish life is such that we treat it with absolute reverence and we do not do anything that will shorten it on, uh, with our own hands, meaning we cannot cause life to, um, to, to, to diminish. So 
the same thing as spilling seed, which we will we understand in this context as it being um, the ability to allow life just to be spilt, be spilt in an incorrect manner and therefore losing that potential. We also um, are against the laws of euthanasia. We will not um, allow somebody to die purposefully um, through our doing. And similarly, we do not believe in abortion. We do not go and cut off the life of a, of, of, of a child before it comes into life. Now, I am giving you the basis behind that. It, it is the basis against masturbation. It is the basis of abortion. It is the basis of euthanasia. Of course, when it comes to individual um, situations, um, it is always prudent and correct to go and ask a halachic authority because there are many, many considerations um, in, in this regard in terms of what happens if you've got a very ill, uh, deformed child? What happens, you know, in terms of euthanasia and the quality of life? And if somebody's, say, been in a coma for 25 years, et cetera, et cetera. There are questions and there is halachic guidance on all of these. I am speaking from a very general perspective and the, the, the overall perspective of the Torah. But bringing it back to us, one of the things that is not allowed is masturbation, and it has a penalty of death. And unfortunately, because this was done over and over again by Yehuda's firstborn heir, God made him die. And so he, he deserved to die before his time because of that sin. So he buries his son heir, his eldest son, now in Jewish law, we have a, the halakha of Yibum. Yibum is called the Leverett Act. And what that used to do in the olden days, and it is still obliga obligatory today, though we tend to generally um, remove ourselves halakhically from that, but let me explain to you nevertheless. There is the concept of the Leverite um, marriage, which means that if a man died, and he had no children, then it was the obligation of the, a living father or brother to marry the deceased's wife and to have children with her. And that, in a sense, um, kept the family name, the, 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 the husband's name, alive and, 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 and uh, keeping his, his line, so to speak, of descent in perpetuity. Now, Yehuda, in this case, was the first one to observe Yibum as a divine commandment. Um, but and, and there's a lot of mystical stuff to it. So he says to his second son, Anan, marry your brother's wife, meaning marry Tamar, and perform the Leverite duties with her so that she can continue your brother's line. Vayeda onan ki lo ki lo lo yiye hazara, but onan also knew that uh, that this was not going to happen. Why? Vayakim ba el eshet achiv when he came to be physically intimate with his brother's wife. Vashachet arza levilti. 
Natan Zera Laachiv. He let his um, seed go to waste on the ground, and he did not contribute seed for his brother. So he had the same attitude as his older brother, and he too wasted his seed. Hashem This was evil again in the eyes of God. Gam Oto. He also then passed away. So both brothers died for the same sin. They both um, spilt their, their seed on the ground. They both practiced um, masturbation. And so what we see now is that um, Yehuda finds himself in a bit of a pickle. Because why should he now try give his third son, Shayla, um, when the first two brothers didn't seem to have uh, much success? So we're going to look in verse 11. Vayoimer Yehuda Tamar. Yehuda says to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Kalato, his daughter-in-law, Shavi Almana Beit Avich, go back to your father's house, live there like a widow, Ad Yigdal Shayla Bani, until my son Shayla grows up, Ki Amar Pin Yamut Gamhu Keechab, for he had said to himself, I am worried that he too is going to die like his brothers. And uh, Tamar leaves and she goes back to her father's house. Just by the way, her father had already died, um, but it's still considered her father's house because it belonged to the heirs. We are told that in truth, um, Yehuda had no intention whatsoever to give Shayla as a, a, uh, a husband to her, what he was hoping was that she would grow up, he, sorry, he would grow up, and he would form what is called chalitza. Chalitza is a ceremony of removing the shoe. It is a, a thing that is still done today, where a childless man's brother absolves himself of, of marrying his brother's widow and allows her to remarry. However, a person under the age of 13 cannot do such a thing, and therefore there was a delay now um, with Tamar not um, getting married to Shayla. So just on Chalitza, um, to know that this is still incumbent on the brother of uh, a deceased of a widow who has no children. Um, it is done at the Beth Din. Again, there is a tremendous amount of uh, Kabbalistic and mystical uh, significance to it beyond the scope of this conversation, but nevertheless just being brought to your attention because it forms part of the story. As always, if you do have a question or a comment, you can. I would love to hear from you. 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. Verse 12 of chapter 38, the Hayamim, many, many days passed, but Tamat but Shua Eshit Yehuda, the mother um, of, of Er and Onan and Shela, i.e. the wife of Yehuda, i.e. the daughter of Batshua, passes away. By Yenachem Yehuda, Yehuda felt that he needed consolation. He was very, very sad that his wife had passed away. 
Vayal al Goznei Tsaino, he um, goes with his sheep shearers. Hu vechira reehu adulami timnata. Him and his friends and his 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 specific friend, Chira the Adulamite, they all go to a place called Timna. He decides to take a break and he goes with the the shearers, obviously to Timna to attend to their flock and attend to some shearing. Vayibu um, hayamin. There were many days. This is twelve months, and we are told that a a widower, a man. Um, has to wait 12 months before he can remarry. Vayugad Latamar, this um, traveling was as told to Tamar. Lemur saying, Hey, do you know your father-in-law um, is coming up to Timna because he's coming to shear his sheep? Now, imagine from Tamar's side, she is waiting now. She is a widow. She is, has not been released to marry another man. She wants to still perpetuate the memory of her first husband, heir, and there's nothing happening. So what does she do? But Tasar big day almunata, almunuta, she takes off her widow's garb, the, the clothes, me'aleha, from her, but chas if she covers herself with a veil, v'tit alaf v'teshev befetach enayim, asher al derech timnata, she disguises herself, all wrapped up, and she sits at a place called petach enayim, the two wells door. It's on the way to Timna. Ki ra'ata ki gadal sheila. Why was she doing all of this? Because she had seen that Shayla had in fact grown up, and she was not given to Shayla as a wife. So where does she put herself? We are told there were two wells in Timna, okay, with a toll gate between them, and whoever wanted to go to Timna had to pass through that place. And so she put herself there in a seductive manner even though she was disguised and there was a veil around her. By Yera Eha Yehuda, Yehuda sees this very uh, seductive woman. By Yachshaveha Lezoina, he takes her for being a prostitute, Kikisa Paneha, because she had covered her face. Now, uh, one of the things that is said over here. See how important it is for a woman to be modest, that even in such a state, while Tamara was modest, she eventually, um, her modesty pays off and she eventually becomes the mother of kings and the mother of prophets. In fact, King David is a descendant of Tamar and so is the prophet Yeshayahu. We're going to go for a little bit of a break and continue this fascinating story when we get back. This is 101.9. Hi FM. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, let us continue and see what happens in this enigmatic story. Vayet Elecha El Haderech, he turns aside um, uh, from her, uh, to, uh, he turns off the road and he says, Vayom Havana Avo Elayich, 
כי לא ידע כי כלתו היא. He says to her, hello there, can I um, solicit your, uh, your services? Not knowing that she was in fact his daughter-in-law. But Tomer, and she replies, what will you give me for the privilege of, you know, of, of my services? So in those days, um, just as today, I guess prostitution is paid for. So they're talking on a deal here by Yomer. And he says, I will send you a sheep from my flock. And she replies to him, well, if you give me that, then that's fine. But of course, he doesn't have any sheep yet. So she says, you need to give me some type of security. What security do you want me to give you until I can give you a sheep from my flock? And she says, I want you to give me your seal, your wrap, and the staff in your hand. They obviously agree. He gives it to her. Um, he sleeps with her. And she, in fact, falls pregnant. Now, why does she ask for these three things? Because the signet ring, the seal, is a symbol that this, this uh, liaison, this relationship, would eventually give rise to the royal line of Israel, beginning with King David. The wrap, the, the cloak that he was wearing, is symbolic of the great Sanhedrin that sits in judgment with great respect. And the staff is symbolic of Mashiach who would also be a descendant from this relationship. Atakam, she gets up afterwards, Vatelech, she goes, she takes off her veil, Vatilbash Bigdeh Almunata, and she puts back her widow's garb. He sends, as he promised, promises the goat, with his friend, the Adamalite, and he wants back his security, he wants back his cloak and his signet ring and his staff from her. But what happens? The Adamalite cannot find this woman with whom uh, Yehuda had slept. He asks people around, they're saying, where, where can we find this, this prostitute that was hanging around here on the way? They say, we don't know what you're talking about. There is no prostitute that hangs around in this area. The Adulamite comes back to Yehuda. And he says to him, I couldn't find her. And even the people of the of the city say there's no such prostitute in the area. Yehuda, Yehuda says, Let her keep these things then, I guess, um, because I don't want to become a mockery. I sent her this kid, but you did not. Find her. Vahi me ke mish losh chadashim. Vayugad 
Yehuda. Um, three months pass, and Yehuda is told, Zanta Tamar Kalatecha. Um, Tamar, your um, daughter-in-law, has behaved immorally. Um, and this immorality has resulted her in becoming pregnant. By Yomer Yehuda, he says, bring her out and let her be burnt. They bring her out, but before she gets burnt at the stake, she sends to her father-in-law a message. It is by who these things belong to that I became pregnant. And she says, Please identify who the seal, this wrap, and this stick belongs. And he has the most incredible part of the story. Of the story. Uh, Yehuda. Yehuda recognizes them by Yomer and he says, Tzadkamimeni, she is far more righteous than me. Ki it was because I did not give her my son Shayla, um, and he could not be intimate with her. By when it came time for her to give birth, she had twins in her womb. Um, the, there is a birthing um, lady, a doula with her, and when she gives birth, the midwife ties a crimson thread onto the hand to say this one emerged emerges first and then uh, the brother comes and with that um, she says you are you 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 have been pushy aleha you have been pushy you have asserted yourself and he is called parrots and the brother who was supposed to come out first um, who was shoved back in because of the other one uh, comes out and he is called Zera. That is the end of this enigmatic story. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. So what lessons can we learn? Well, the first is that there is an understanding in Judaism that God brings the remedy before the illness. So before Pharaoh, who would eventually now become the oppressor of the Jews, was born, Peretz, the ancestor of Mashiach was born. The brothers were involved in selling Joseph. Jacob was um, immersed in mourning. Yehuda was involved in marriage. What was God doing? He was setting the stage for the birth of Mashiach, who would be a descendant from the marriage of Yehuda and Tamar. And so it is a standard understanding that for whatever illness, whatever negativity comes to this world, there is always the cure um, standing behind it. And we just need to open up our eyes and see that. That's number one. Number two, the brothers were not concerned that they had sold Joseph because they thought that he fell into the category of a Ben Sorrow, a rebellious son. They were concerned, however, because they had a tradition that if one of them went to Egypt, they would all have to go down eventually, and in order obviously to fulfill God's uh, promise to Abraham um, at the Brit Ben Habtarin, the pact between halves. So they're all scattered, and each one trying to settle in a different place. Um, and this was at the time when Yehuda went, went to Adulam and to Timnah. Um, 
What they didn't understand is that God can fulfill his decree. It doesn't matter what proportion, what precautions anybody takes. And um, there you have it. They were going to land up going down to Egypt, as we will see um, shortly with the fact that a famine hits the land. And lastly, what goes around comes around and goes around again. God always has a a punishment fit for cause. Yehuda deceived his father by showing him Yosef's coat dipped in the blood of a kid. And now Tamar deceived Yehuda with a kid. She took security for the kid. When Yehuda wanted to send it to her, um, his agent couldn't fire. And so we see a midah connected midah. So there is method in the madness. Things are happening concurrently. God is directing um, this universe as he always has and always will. And I guess this is a very powerful message today as we start to see now um, a war erupting in, uh, uh, in with Russia and Ukraine. We must know that for every negativity that we see, there is a cure. There is a reason behind it. And we pray and hope that that too, we will see uh, the goodness behind it and the arrival of Mashiach and the suffering of, of people taken away immediately. With that, I leave you to have a wonderful week ahead, and I'll be back same time, same place next week.